0: Hello, Christ community. Uh, it's great to see all of you. Greetings to everyone at our 15th Street Campus and at our West Campus and our Traditions Venue. So glad all of you were here. I am super excited about all that God is doing in in our lives and in our church. Last weekend was Share Fest. We had several hundred of us coming out on Sunday morning to love people and serve people. It was awesome. Way to go, Christ community. Um, by the way, you can go on our Facebook page. I encourage you to do that because we just posted a very cool video, uh, kind of a video summary of last Sunday. You don't want to miss that. So go on our Facebook page, check out that video. It was very, very awesome. So one of the things that I loved about this, that was such a blessing to me about this particular ShareFest, was our connection with Habitat for Humanity. Habitat for Humanity is this great organization that helps people break out of the cycle of poverty by enabling them to become homeowners. And so a few days before ShareFest, um, last Wednesday, Wednesday before ShareFest, Fest. Shane Vanning uh, and I—we we got to go out and we power washed some of the homes, some of the Habitat homes that were going to be painted last Sunday. We got to power wash them ahead of time, and and so I got to meet these wonderful people. You know, I got to meet Andy, who is uh, living with the challenge of being legally blind. Just this gentle soul. And then I got to meet Reuben and and Josephine. I mean, real people with real stories. I mean, it's one thing to hear statistics. It's another thing to actually meet someone face-to-face. And this was a big deal to me. And I I want to take just a couple minutes here and share why this is a big deal. About a year ago, God began to lay on my heart the story of Nehemiah in the Old Testament and, and, and who was minding his own business. Nehemiah was minding his own business when he heard that his hometown was in bad shape and was vulnerable to attack. And that news broke his heart and it activated him to take action. He mobilized the people to rebuild the walls. And that story, as I was reading it about a year ago, this story began to do something in me. I began to ask this question, do I see and feel the needs in our city or am I insulated from what's really going on. Do we as a church see, really see the needs all around us? And then I had this thought, what could happen if we as a church more intentionally focused our energies on some of these critical needs all around us. So out of that question, a vision was birthed. We're calling this vision for the city and beyond as a reflection of this heartbeat to be for the lost and the broken and the hurting all around us. And so I began to get excited about this idea. Imagine the impact if we as a church turned our hearts towards specific needs all around us. What if we turned our hearts towards children in need and we turned our hearts toward the emotional broken what if we turned our hearts toward refugees and toward those in poverty and those caught in gangs what if we turned our hearts to the hundred thousand plus people in this region who don't know Jesus what if we turned our hearts toward the developing of leaders and for the advancement of the gospel around the world I mean what might happen if we as a church did that not just as an afterthought what if we made this our core vision to be for our city Now I knew this was not just a financial investment thing. This was about getting face to face with people in need and hearing their stories and coming alongside them in their journey, being a part of seeing God change their stories, which was exciting and yet a little bit risky, right? And that's why for me last week and last weekend was so significant. Because in that experience, I stepped out of my comfort bubble and I got face to face with people to hear their stories, to pray with them, to serve them. It made me even more excited about our For the City and Beyond vision. God is activating our hearts in so many cool ways in this vision. I just wanna give a couple instances of this. In, In the midst of this launch, the launch of this last March, Um, God spoke to a person in our church And said I want you to lead An adoption and orphan awareness ministry Here at Christ Community And this person said yes So the first meeting for that is October 1st So uh, orphans and foster children Are going to be finding forever families Because of that ministry Talk about changing people's stories you know, I love the fact that one of, our engage, one of our engaged nights, which are nights we have every, uh, we had a few this summer where people can just explore how to engage in these nine initiatives in the, for the city. So we had one of these focused on the gang, <clears throat> um, helping people come out of gangs. And so we had some former gang members in our community just come to hear more about this and our heart for this. And and, and so having them here, just, it was just great, just bridging this relational gap. There's a, there's a couple in our church who recently retired recently, and and they were planning on moving out of Greeley. And um, then they heard, last February, they heard about this vision. They heard this for this city and beyond vision, and they said to each other, we can't move. We can't move now. (laughs) We want to be a part of this. We want to be a part of impacting our city for Jesus. So they decided to stay. See, God is changing people's stories. I love how our e-groups are asking the question, how can we as a group move towards one of these areas of need? We have one one e-group that's actually hosting an alpha parenting night or class at Maplewood Elementary School starting in a few weeks. We have another e-group that's been focused on the issue of sex trafficking and, and is now partnering with the Girls Rescue Center in Kenya. I mean, just the other day in a casual conversation, these kinds of things are happening all the time. But just the other day in a casual conversation at a wedding reception, God began to connect the hearts of some people here in our church. They began to connect their hearts with a specific need. Some people started talking about refugees and a particular need in our community about refugees, and God connected these two things. And now, wonderful ministry is beginning to happen in that area. I mean, God is changing people's stories, and He's changing us. He's changing me. I'm so grateful. I am so grateful. This is the kind of church I want to be a part of. A church that doesn't just talk about this stuff. A church that's willing to move towards broken and hurting people with the love of Jesus. Now the other awesome part about this vision Is that so many of you have been willing to invest Financially In being for the city and beyond $4.7 million Has been committed to this vision Over the next three years And I'm excited to announce that Just about a week ago We hit the $1 million mark In terms of actual donations coming in So way to go Church, God is growing us In our generosity, amen Way to go now, now, by the way, this for the city and beyond vision is is, is is also to be for those who are disconnected from a church community in this region. And that's a lot of people that are disconnected from, from, from a church community. And, and we want to be for them by building a permanent West campus on this very strategic 36 acres of land that God gave us a few years ago. By having two permanent campuses, we can better reach this growing region two 200,000 people live within 20 minutes of this property, this west property. 200,000 people. Um, And 30,000 cars drive past it every day. Now, our vision, though, is not just to build a church building. We want to create a destination development on that site with green spaces and bike paths and family friendly gathering spaces. And it is so fun to see how God is bringing pieces together and God is leading in this process. For instance, the city of Greeley has expressed interest in building a park at this site, which would take care of the green space and the bike paths. Not only that, as we have been praying, we feel like God has given us a way to phase in the initial vision, moving forward in a faith-filled and yet financially responsible way. So this includes investing initial resources as they come in, investing initial resources into the infrastructure of the entire site, bringing sewer, water, electricity to the entire site, which will increase the value of the land and it will attract the kind of businesses that we want to attract. Once that infrastructure is completed, we are then planning on focusing on a phase one building, which will house a 500 seat worship center, children's ministry, as well as a Zoe's West coffee shop. So here's here's a conceptual drawing of how that phase one building might look. The cost of this phase one, again, this is going to include a 500-seat worship center, children's ministry, and a Zoe's West coffee shop. The cost of this phase one building is about half the cost of our original vision, which we feel is very doable. Now, we've put together a summary update with this drawing on it. You can pick that up in our lobby. Any of you can pick it up in our lobby after this service. God is changing people's stories, including mine, including ours as a church. And this is just the beginning. I mean, we're just six months into this. This is just the first six months. I can't wait to see what God is gonna do in and through us in the next few years. Um, Thanks to all of you who are, to those of you who are a part of this journey, those of you who are praying, for those of you who are exploring how you can move towards these needs, those who are generously contributing to this vision, thank you. We are so grateful for your investment in For the City and beyond. Now, if you are not involved, I invite you to jump on board. It's not too late. You can jump on board. For more information, you can pick up a packet in the lobby. In the For the City and Beyond area, you can go to forthecityandbeyond.org, which explains how you can be involved financially. And, And by the way, there's an important kind of marker coming up here. We can begin the infrastructure development once we receive a million and a half dollars, um, in donations. We're already over a million. um, but once we receive a million and a half, then we can really start, um, doing some of the infrastructure things. So if you're able to give your commitment sooner, that would be, that would be great. If you're interested in exploring how you might personally engage in one of these nine initiatives for for poverty or for gangs or whatever, um, we're having another engaged night in a couple months on November 2nd. You can come and explore at that. I mean, what an amazing adventure (laughs) that God is inviting us to join him in. This this is not normal church, folks. This is not normal. This is not normal church, but it's, it's his heart. It's God's heart. Let's change more people's stories. Um, let's do that. So can we pray? I just want to pray for just a moment. Let us pray for this vision and then we're going to jump into the message here. So God, thank you. Thank you for inviting us into this adventure and what you've already done in just six months, what you have already done and the pieces that you're bringing together and the stories that you're changing and the hearts that you're activating. Thank you. Thank you for what you're doing in me. Thank you for what you're doing in us. Thank you for what you're doing in this community and around the world. We're so grateful. We pray that you would continue to lead us as a church, that you would lead us, you would move us, you would fill us with faith and and generosity and the courage to move towards lost people and broken people. You would just lead us and, and, and activate our hearts to be for our city and beyond in a greater way than ever before. And we pray that you'd use us to change more stories. That's what we long for that you would change more people's lives. So thank you for inviting us to be a part of this. We commit this to you and pray for all these pieces. You'd bring them all together for your glory, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so so today we're starting a very important teaching series that can have a significant impact on your spiritual growth. Now, obviously, every teaching series we do is focused on your spiritual growth, but this one is foundational because it is focusing not on the topic of spiritual growth, but rather the context for spiritual growth, the environment for spiritual growth. The topics regarding spiritual growth can change, but the environment, the environment in which that growth happens, Happens, doesn't change. The Bible makes it very clear that there is a particular context, there is a particular environment that is essential for spiritual growth. And yet, honestly, it is, inv- it is an environment that for a number of reasons, we often choose to avoid. And that has significant ramifications. That choice has significant ramifications. So, so what is this environment that is essential for spiritual growth? Community, community. Now I realize that word has a lot of, it's used in a lot of different ways. We live in a community. We wanna be for our community. We attend Christ Community Church. I mean, the word community is a very familiar word that in a general sense speaks of relationships, being around people. But from a biblical perspective, from a biblical perspective, community is more than just being around people living in proximity to people, having 500 Facebook friends or whatever. Biblically speaking, community is a specific environment where we can connect relationally and grow spiritually. It's an environment where amazing things happen, spiritually speaking. It is a specific environment where we can take off our masks and our social media personas and be real. Where we can listen and be listened to. Where we, can, where we can hear and we can speak the truth in love. Where we can be accepted as we are and yet challenged to not stay there. Where we can be loved and we can love others. Where we can bear one another's burdens, carrying the load together. Where we can pray for one another and hold one another accountable to action steps. I mean, community is the primary context In which genuine spiritual growth happens so for the next five weeks we're going to be focusing we're going to be drilling down on this we're going to be focusing in on this absolutely essential aspect of spiritual growth so if you have your bible your ipad or smartphone and you feel free to turn to the book of hebrews the book of hebrews in the new testament kind of near the end there book of hebrews if you don't have a bible that's okay we're going to bring the passage up on the screen now the book of Hebrews, this letter was written to a group of Christians who were experiencing some difficulties. And this is very important. They were considering abandoning their faith in Jesus. I mean, talk about relevant. So many people today, so many young people today, are abandoning their faith. In the midst of doubts and disillusionment, doubts about God, doubts about the Bible. And what what breaks my heart, listen very carefully, what breaks my heart is not that people have doubts and disillusionment. I have doubts. I'm a pastor. I have doubts about my faith regularly. And most every Christian I know has doubts about their faith at times. What breaks my heart it's not that the Christians have doubts. It, it breaks my heart when Christians who have doubts come to the conclusion that they are alone in this and that their only option is to abandon their faith. But that's not their only option. That's not the only option. There's another option. It's to wrestle with our doubts in the context of community. To wrestle with our doubts in the context of community, biblical community, which is exactly what the author of Hebrews was challenging the people to do. So let's read this out together out loud together from chapter 10, verses 23 to 25. He lays this important theological foundation for several chapters, 10 chapters, and now we have this challenge, okay? So let's read this out loud together. This is God's word. Now, the the author is talking about the importance of holding on to our faith, hanging in there when life is difficult and when doubts assail. So how do we do that? How do we do that? He tells us, get in community. Get in community. Get in a structured relational environment where you connect relationally and you grow spiritually. That's what the author is talking about here. It is not a context like this, where we sit in rows and we listen to a speaker and we sing worship songs. I mean, that's important. And we believe God touches people's lives in worship gatherings like this. He wants us to gather together for worship and, and he moves in powerful ways. He, you know, he speaks and all that in this context. We believe that. But it is not enough. This environment is important, but it is not enough. What the author is describing is a smaller relational environment where we are in close enough proximity with a few other people that we can experience genuine community. Now, there are two aspects, two specific aspects of community, the community experience that the author describes here. One, the author says that in community... We can spur one another on toward love and good deeds. See, this is one of the things that happens in a biblically functioning, authentic community. We can spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Now, this word spur is really interesting. It's an important word. Um, It's not referring to a casual fist bump, you know, kind of relationship. This word has some intensity to it. It is like a spur on a boot, right? That helps getting a horse getting a horse moving. This word means to goad. It means to, to jar, you know, in a good way, but to jar, to spur someone on. And, and that doesn't always feel good. Being spurred doesn't always feel good. You see, here, here's the deal. On our own, we don't necessarily move toward love and good deeds, do we? On our own, we don't necessarily move towards love and good deeds. I mean, the natural trajectory of our lives isn't towards loving people and doing good deeds. It's not. I mean, we just finished a teaching series um, called Overflow, in which we talked about Jesus' challenge in Luke 6, his challenge to love our enemies and to do good to people who mistreat us. Does that come naturally to you? (laughs) It doesn't to me. It doesn't come naturally to me. Loving other people doesn't come naturally to me. I I confess to you, there are times on a Monday afternoon, there are times on Monday afternoons, when I know we have our e-group meeting that evening, and I'm thinking to myself, I don't really want to do group tonight, which is a little tough since it's at our house. I mean, I can't really call in sick. But seriously, on my own, my preference would be to go home get some sweet tea, drop into my recliner, watch Lost on Netflix or Monday Night Football for a couple hours. After all, I've had a really hard day, you know, I'm tired. Can any of us relate? Any of us relate to that? See, the the natural trajectory of our lives, if left on our own, is not towards love and good deeds. It's not towards spiritual growth. It's toward the remote and the recliner, right? It's towards Netflix and video games. On our own, we don't naturally move towards love and good deeds. We don't naturally move towards spiritual growth. We need to be spurred on towards these things. And the best way for that to happen is in community. A small group of people who have committed to meet and to seek Jesus' heart together. Being in a community like that makes it a lot harder to sit back and disengage, right? makes it a lot harder just to sit back, to check out and disengage. God knows that. He knows that. And that's why he urges us to be in community, to be in a small group where we can grow spiritually, where we can be challenged, where we can be spurred on towards love and good deeds, so let me just ask, where is that happening in your life? Where is that happening in your life? Where, where, where are, are you being spurred on towards love and good deeds? I'm not, I'm not talking about how many people you, you go out to dinner with or how many acquaintances you have. I'm not asking that. I'm asking, where are you in close enough relationships where people are regularly spurring you on to pursue Jesus? Where is that happening? You know, there, there, are, there are a lot of us here, I'm guessing a lot of us here, who, if we're honest, we feel like our spiritual life is kind of stagnant. We love God. We do love God. We come to church maybe a few times a month. You know, maybe we'll feel some challenge at a worship service, a message or whatever, some challenge, or we're inspired to change something in our lives. Maybe our, our heart is touched in worship and we sense God's presence. And then we go back home. And we go back into our routine. We go back to work. We go back to school. And life just sort of goes on at a very rapid pace. Running kids to theater practice and taking our car in for an oil change and talking to the insurance agent about our new roof and going to the gym and paying bills and doing homework and getting on Facebook. I mean, and all that closeness with God, all that spiritual inspiration from, from Sunday morning is a distant memory I mean, it's no wonder we feel spiritually stagnant. I mean, coming to church a few times a month, even listening to spiritual podcasts during our week is not enough. It's not enough to get this, the spiritual gauge moving in our lives. It's not. It's not enough. What we, need, what we need is to place ourselves in community. A small group of people who are on this spiritual journey together who are talking about how to apply the message from last weekend, who are holding each other accountable in certain areas, You know, asking how our battle with food or with pornography or credit card debt is going. Without that spurring on, even though it's not always comfortable, without that, we, we all lapse into a state of spiritual lethargy, we just will. Being in community is essential to our spiritual health. I remember years ago, a long time ago, but one, one summer, during the summer, a friend of mine got me swimming. I was, I was not swimming, and I'm still not. but uh, he got me swimming every morning during the summer at 5.30 a.m. We would get up, and we would go swimming. I would never have done that on my own without him getting me out of bed. I would never have done that on my own, but it was so good for me physically and, and emotionally. I mean, it's just good. Extras of so good. But I wouldn't have done it on my own. We need spiritual growth, but often we don't pursue it on our own. We need others to spur us on towards that. We all need that. Well, the second thing the author mentions that happens in community is encouragement. He says, encouraging one another. Now this word translated encouragement is such a powerful word. It it, it means to comfort. It means to come alongside, to help, to ask for help, to, to encourage, to cheer on. So let me just ask you, who is doing that in your life? Who's doing that in your life? Who knows what's really going on in your life and is praying for you and asking how it's going? When your teenager starts behaving in ways you never imagined possible in your home... Who, who do you turn to when your marriage is struggling, when you've lost your job, when, when you're struggling with an eating disorder or cutting yourself or whatever? Who do you talk to about that? Who, who's praying for you in the midst of that? Who's in your corner? Who's on your team? We all need encouragement. We need to know that a group of people are on our team, that they are interested in our lives, that they're praying for us. A few weeks ago, our e-group got together um, for the first time after the summer, and we spent two hours just kind of going around the circle, catching up. and It was not superficial stuff. One person lost a best friend to ALS. Two people were struggling with how to care for a parent with dementia. Another person shared about a family conflict with a sibling that's been going on. And someone else talked about a struggle with anxiety. Another person had a child struggling in school. I mean, just heavy stuff. So we prayed for each other. I mean, it, it just felt so good to share the burdens we were carrying and to be reminded we're not alone. We're not alone. We're not on our own. And we all need that. We all need that. You know, when I'm out in town running errands or whatever, um, I often will see people in a restaurant or maybe in the Walmart or something. And, and sometimes, you know, they'll, they'll grab me there and, and, and they'll just begin to share about it. I'll just say, how's it going Just share about a huge struggle going on in their lives. An addiction, or a, a business challenge, or a rebellious teenager, or, or any number of things—anxiety, battle with anxiety, whatever—and and my first response, my first response is, "Can I can I pray for you?" And and often we'll just I'll pray for them right there, in the parking lot or wherever, we'll just pray for them. But my second response is, "Are you in an E group? Are you in an E group?" And you can see the pain on their face when they say, "Nah." It's kind of meant to be, but we're not. They're battling alone. They're battling alone. I mean, maybe they're seeing a counselor, which is good, but something more than counseling is needed. They need to be in community, in an environment where they are relationally connected, they're growing together with others. In In fact, I think that a lot of counseling wouldn't be needed if we were just plugged into a healthy community. A lot of counseling wouldn't even be needed if we were plugged into a healthy community. See, the sad reality is we often don't realize our need for community until our world crashes around us. And in that moment, we can't just instantly pull together community. We can't just pull that, pull an experience of community together on the fly which is why this needs to be built into our lives. It needs to become a priority. It needs to become a conviction, a conviction where we, we, we drive a stake in the ground and we say, I will not do the Christian life on my own. We will not do the Christian life on our own. We're just not going to. This is a biblical conviction. As I heard Andy Stanley um, say recently, the Christian life is deeply personal, but it is never intended to be private. It is deeply personal, but it is never intended to be private. We need community. So given that this is so important, from a biblical perspective, what we've been talking about here, just given that it's so important, why don't we make this a priority? Well, look at what the author of Hebrews says. Verse 25, we have the answer right here. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. See, we all know how habits work, right? A habit is something that starts with one action, but then over time it becomes routine. We, we start doing this without even thinking about it. It becomes a habit. And once a habit is established, it doesn't require any intentionality. We just do it. And what the author is describing here is is reality for so many of us. We have made a habit of not being in community. It's just become a habit of not being in community. We don't even think about it anymore. We don't even think about it anymore. Our lives have just been, they've just filled up with other things. But think of the impact of that habit. Think about the impact of that habit, spiritually speaking. You are missing out on a God-designed context for your spiritual growth. You are missing out on being spurred towards love and good deeds. You are missing out on encouragement and support. All of that is huge. Now, here's the cool thing about habits. We can break negative habits and establish new ones. I forget the statistics, say like in six weeks or I forget what it is, but it's not a huge amount of time where we actually can break an old habit and establish a new habit. We can do that. We can choose to create a new habit when we see the value of that habit in our lives. And notice that critical word there, choose. This is something we have to choose. It will not happen automatically. It is something that we choose to give priority to. We choose to say, being in a small group is a priority. I'm going to make time for it. I'm going to get up and meet with those men at 6 o'clock on Tuesday mornings. Uh, we're going to get in that small group and meet on Wednesday nights. We, we make this choice. See, it's not gonna, it won't happen any other way, it doesn't happen automatically. We have to make a choice to establish a new habit. Now I realize, I know the biggest pushback is time. It's time. Our lives are so busy, and we are, are, we're so busy. How can we possibly make time for this in the midst of all of our children's activities, all the things going on? Let let me just throw out a thought that I heard from someone recently, and it, it really resonated with me in the midst of this discussion of being busy in time and all that. Listen to this, I bet there are a lot of you here who, if you could go back in time to when you were growing up, you would be willing to say to your parents, Mom and Dad, I am willing to not do gymnastics if it means you two could be in a small group working on your marriage, working on your relationship with God. I bet there are a ton of people here who wish that had been an option when they were growing up. Because you know the positive impact that would have had on your family. You know the positive impact that would have had on your life. Don't let busyness be a reason for this to drop off your radar. We all need community. Let's make the critical choice for that to happen. So here's my specific challenge to each one, of, each one of us here. It is my desire, I believe it's God's desire as well, that every person who attends here be in a small group community. Now here at Christ Community, we call these e-groups. E-groups, what is an e-group? You know, it is not online, okay? So some people are like, what's an e-group? No, the E in e-group stands for our three core values as a church, the three things we, we want everyone to grow as a disciple. These are the three things that we believe that the way that happens, three things. Embracing the gospel, experiencing the spirit, engaging in mission. We think that's what a disciple looks like. So we want every e-group, to be growing together in those things, spurring one another on toward love and good deeds. We have men's E-groups, we have women's E-groups, we have singles E-groups, we have couples E-groups or mixed E-groups. The demographics are varied, but the core values in every E-group is the same. A small group of people who are committed to moving together towards gospel, spirit, and mission. So if you're a high school student, middle school student, I urge you to get in a fuel group in our C3 ministry. We call them fuel groups there. If you're a college student, get in our Evolve college ministry group or a group with Navigators or Crew or IV or Christian Challenge, or whatever. But for the rest of you, for the rest of you, I challenge you to get in any group. Now we've made the on-ramp to e-groups very accessible. There are, there are three ways to kind of on-ramp into this experience of an e-group. And, and you can find out more information um, on our website about this as well, or by talking to one of our e-group volunteers who, who, who are gonna be in the lobby um, after the service at the e-group table here. They're gonna be carrying iPads and they can help you get signed up immediately. But here, here are the three specific ways to be a part of an e-group. One, is for you to join an existing group, a group that's already going. We have a number of e-groups with openings, so feel free to explore that. Now, if there is not an e-group that that is open for you in in time or that just doesn't work for you, don't be discouraged, because that's not the only way to get in an e-group. There, there are two other ways, and we mentioned these. So the uh, second way, so one is get into an existing group. Second, a second way during this, this five week series, a second way to get into an e group is during this series we are creating an e group experience here here at, at our 15th Street campus. So you can get a taste of community by coming for these five weeks. You just come, be, be part of an e-group just for these five weeks. And we're calling these short circle groups because they're only going to you know, last for the five weeks officially. Um, but it, it's going to be happening on Wednesday nights beginning this week. But you do need to register. We do need to know if you're coming for that. And so you can do so online or after the service. Again, you can talk to a, a volunteer and figure out how to get registered for one of our short circle groups starts this Wednesday. It's an easy way to wade into, if experience of an e-group, just for five weeks. We just want people to get a taste of this. A third way to be a part of an e-group is to form one yourself. Pull some friends together, pull some acquaintances together and just try it. Each week we provide discussion questions based on the message, the teaching for that week. You can try it for five weeks, you can see how it goes. If you're interested in exploring this option, feel free to talk with one of the volunteers or with Shane Fanning, our director of of eGroups. Now, if you do end up forming your own group option, we do need you to register your group online so that we can be available as a resource to help assist your group in any way, and we can get resources to you that way. So here's the deal. I just challenge all of us, all of us here, to make this critical choice. Choose to be In community, I'm not saying it will be easy and that you'll be best friends with everyone in your group. I'm not saying that. Here's what I am saying choosing community will positively and significantly impact your spiritual growth over time. That's a guarantee, and it is a critical choice. All right, let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for this challenge. Thank you so much for your word that over and over again reinforces this idea of the importance of being in community so that we're not alone. And Father, I pray, we pray right now that you would move in our hearts regarding this choice you would move in our hearts. God, for those here who, man, this is resonating, you just feel maybe some stagnancy, or just some busyness, and this has just become, uh, just kind of put on the back burner of their lives. I pray that you would move in their hearts. You would give them the courage, the wisdom to make this a priority. And to say, we choose, we need to choose, or I need to choose be in community. I don't want to be alone in this spiritual journey. So we pray for that. We pray for those who are looking to join a current e-group. Pray for that. We pray for those who are going to try the short circles on Wednesday, starting this week. We pray for those who are going to be forming their own groups, or there are some here with a leadership gift. And a stirring, even as they hear that, they, they, they just, you're stirring their heart to pull some people together and to take the lead on that. And we just pray for that. We just pray for more e-groups. We pray for more people connected in community. that We would not be alone in this journey. So thank you for this clear invitation in your word and a clear kind of goading here, a spurring on, just reminding us, man, on our own, we don't move towards these things. We just don't. We need other people around us spurring us on towards love and good deeds. We need to be encouraged and to encourage others. And so we pray for that to happen more and more in our lives. And again, I just pray for each one of us to make this critical choice, to have the conversations we need to have to do what we need to do to move towards community in a specific way. So we thank you for that. Thank you for who you are, God, that you love us so much. This is good for us. You, you want to spur us on this area because it's, it's good for us. We need it. So thanks for speaking your truth your word. And I pray, Lord, that as we enter into a time of worship now, that, that our hearts would just be open as a community worshiping together. We would We welcome you, Holy Spirit, to bring life and healing and wholeness. We just pray you would come and pour out love and power. So we welcome you, Holy Spirit. Transform us as we gather together here to worship you and to respond to your word in worship. So set us free to do that. All right, why don't we stand as the worship team leads us. Just stand, Holy Spirit. We welcome you. Jesus, set us free to worship you now. We love you, God.